My name's Derek Walker. I'm the pastor of the Oxford Bible Church. And today I want to share with you about a wonderful event, the rapture of the church. But mostly I want to talk about the romance of redemption and the part that the rapture has in that. Because the Bible is really a divine romance from beginning to an end. The whole point of the story of redemption is that God loves us. And our Lord loves us so much that even though we had gone away from him, he is determined to break through every barrier and to overcome every obstacle between us and him so that we could be with him forever, the bridegroom and his bride. And so understand if you're a man and you have difficulty thinking of yourself as a bride, <laughs> Don't let that trouble you too much. All these things are analogies. It just gives us the closest idea in terms of the emotional intensity and the depth of, of love that is involved. It's perhaps the closest human analogy to the immense love that Christ has for us, his church. And so to capture the spirit of the Bible, we need to understand the divine lover and how he is planned everything so that we can be with him forever. And he wants us to fall in love with him more and more. And so we're going to look into this picture of the divine romance. And for those who have ears to hear, one of the last words that Jesus said in words in John chapter 14, and these are the words of the bridegroom to his bride. He said, let not your heart be troubled. Believe, you believe in God, believe also in me. In my Father's house are many mansions. If it were not so, I would have told you. I go to prepare a place for you. And if I go and prepare a place for you, I will come again and receive you to myself that where I am, there you will be also. Where I am, there we will be, you will be also. In other words, we will be together forever. And if you understand the Jewish um, uh, marriage customs, you will recognize these words as the bridegroom to the bride and giving assurance. And so I want us to, to look at these Jewish customs and then we'll understand so much of actually what is behind the Bible. See, the Jews to whom the Bible was given, took these things for granted. But we who live 2,000 years away and in a totally different culture, we can actually miss what the, what's, what's there in the Bible and the meaning of it. And so let me tell you the, the, those customs and, and how Christ fulfills all of that and where we stand in the scheme of things. So first of all, we need to know that the marriage was prepared and planned and arranged by the father of the bridegroom that chooses a bride for his son. And so in the same way, the father has planned a marriage for his son, Jesus Christ, and he has chosen the church as the bride. And secondly, the father negotiates then with her family and a bride price is paid that represents her value. And the price paid for the bride of Christ, of course, was his own blood. That's how much he values us, the infinitely precious blood of Jesus. And the first time, the first coming of Christ was the bridegroom coming. And John called him the bridegroom. He called himself the bridegroom coming 
to first of all win the heart of his bride by demonstrating his love for her, laying down his life for her, and paying the bride price, laying the foundation for this future eternal relationship with his beloved. And then when the agreement was made, they would uh, eat and drink together, signifying that they were now in covenant. When she accepted his proposal, they then were in covenant. They are now betrothed. That's not like our engagement, really. They are now in covenant. And so when we receive Christ, not just as Savior, but as our head, as our Lord, we uh, accept his offer to belong to him, then we are betrothed to Christ. As Paul says in 2 Corinthians 11:2, he says, I betrothed you to one husband, that to Christ, that I may present you to him as a pure virgin. And so now it's important that she is uh, pure, that she is uh, devoted to him and him alone. And we now belong to Christ, united to him by covenant through the blood, and we're destined to become his wife when that relationship is consummated. Then gifts would be given to the bride, to, from the bridegroom. And in the same way, give, the gifts and blessings have been poured out on us by Christ through the Holy Spirit. And then, in those days, they may never actually have seen each other face to face. And in the same way, we haven't seen Jesus face to face yet, but we still love him and we eagerly await for him to come. After the betrothal, the bridegroom goes away to his father's house, promising to return. And there he prepares the marital home. And that's when uh, we read that from John 14. He said, I go and prepare a place for you. That's the bridegroom saying, I'm going to prepare our home. And Jesus returned to heaven, you see, to the new Jerusalem, where he prepared that, a wonderful home for us there. And when the father then says, when, uh, when the father believes everything is ready, then he sends his son, go, get your bride. And so in the same way, Jesus has returned to heaven, he's promised to come back for, for us, but now he awaits the Father to say, go get your bride, all is ready. Meanwhile, the bride must make herself ready, ready to be presented to her bridegroom in the beauty of holiness when he returns to her. Not just an external beauty, but the, an inward beauty of a devoted heart. She prepares her wedding dress so that she is ready to be dressed like a queen. And she wants him to be pleased when he looks upon her. She keeps herself pure. For now, in that time of preparation, all are her hopes are to please him. And that she is looking to that great day of that marriage, of consummation, when they will be face to face and be together then forever. And in the same way, we now are in that time of preparation. Jesus come, has come. He has offered himself to us. We've accepted. We are betrothed to him. Then he says, I will go away and prepare a place, but I'll be coming back for you. You don't know exactly when, but I'll be coming back for you. And I want you to be ready for me. And then we will see each other face to face. And 1 John 3 says, we know not when... We know that when he is revealed, we shall be like him, for we shall see him as he is. And everyone who has this hope in him purifies himself just as he is pure. 
And so if we believe this, we will purify ourselves so we are ready for the Lord's return. Purify ourselves from all idols so that he alone is our first love. And it's the blood of Jesus and the word of God that sanctifies us and makes us ready in our hearts. And the Bible talks about our wedding garment in that day will actually be the glory that is released through us that correspond to our good works. It's our good works, our righteousnesses that determine our wedding dress and the glory that we will receive on that day as our eternal reward. And he'll release that into it into us when he rewards us according to our works. Now no one knew the time of the wedding. Um, it happens when the bridegroom returns to the bride and even the bridegroom didn't know because he it was determined by the father. And so in, even so she doesn't know exactly when he's going to come so that way she has to stay ready all the time. It's, we call it imminence. The bridegroom could come at any time, so she's got to be ready at all times. And when it happens, there's that romantic moment when the bridegroom does come. And the aim uh, in the Jewish thinking is that he, he is, takes her by surprise, as it were. And it, it's a sudden moment when he takes her, and that's the rapture, when he takes her to be with him forever. It's that exciting moment, it's that climactic moment of all the waiting, suddenly the bridegroom breaks in and takes and carries his bride away and they're together forever. And so in the same way Jesus says, I'm coming quickly. When it says, I'm coming soon, and he says it right at the end of the Bible, three times, I'm coming quickly, I'm coming quickly, I'm coming quickly. That's how Revelation 22 ends. What's Jesus saying? I'm coming suddenly, you've got to be ready because I could break in at any time. You need to be ready for my imminent appearing. And so there's great excitement as, as the time draws near and Jesus could come at any time, even as I'm talking to you. And then at the Father's signal, when he reckons all is ready, the bridegroom is released to return for his bride. And then this will happen when God judges that the fullness of the Gentiles has come in, when, when the full number of people to be saved to be part of the bride from this age, then the father will say, go get her, son. And then the bridegroom, dressed as a king, goes in a joyful procession with his friends to the bride's house. Great excitement, great fanfare. He enters the house and he carries his bride out and brings her back to the place he's prepared for her. And in the same way, Jesus will return. This is what we call the rapture. And it will be to take his bride home, to be with him forever. It's a joyful, it's a romantic, it's an exhilarating moment. And he comes to save her from this evil world and to be with him forever. And then back at his house, she makes the final preparations to be ready for the, for the wedding ceremony. And that involves putting on her wedding dress. And so back in heaven, what's going to happen after the rapture is that the bride is going to be presented spotless and glorious to Christ. So before that can happen, she has to put off her, her old clothes, as it were. She must go through the judgment seat of Christ. And that's when we are cleansed from all our dead works. The fire of God will burn all our dead works. And then she, we will be clothed in his glory as we are rewarded for those good works. And the bride then will stand glorious before Christ and the, as it were the wedding ceremony will complete 
and bring to completion everything. And she is unveiled and presented to the bridegroom in all her beauty. And they see each other face to face because until now she's been veiled and now she's married and becomes his wife. And that's what Ephesians talks about. He says, Christ loved the church and gave himself for her that he might sanctify her and cleanse her with the washing of water by the word. That's what he's doing now. He gave himself for us in the past to pay the bride price. He's cleansing us as setting us apart to him with his word now that he might present her in the future to himself, a glorious church with no spot or wrinkle or any such thing, but she might be holy and without blemish. And so this is when now she becomes his wife and they'll reign together for all eternity as king and queen from the new Jerusalem. And uh, there's a vision just before the second coming of Christ. There's a vision when this uh, wedding ceremony takes place, has taken place already in Revelation 19.7. Let us be glad and rejoice and give him glory for the marriage of the lamb has come. That means it's happened. And his wife, She's now his wife, has made herself ready, and to her it was granted to be arrayed in fine linen, clean and bright, for the fine linen is the righteous acts of the saints. That's her wedding dress, as it were. And so now she is the wife. And then the next thing is, they go to a special bridal chamber where the marriage is consummated. They spend time alone together. And then after that, they appear together in public and enter into the wedding feast where many others are invited. And at this point, there's a procession, uh, and they go into the wedding feast. And in Revelation 19, we read on what happens next. It says that this is in heaven, first of all, but then they go to the wedding feast, the marriage feast on the earth. And all those invited to the feast are those who are believers. Now, at the end of the tribulation, they are believers, and they enter into the wedding feast. It says, blessed in Revelation 19.9, Blessed are those who are called to the marriage supper of the Lamb. And I saw heaven open, and behold, a white horse. And he who sat on him was called Faithful and True. That's Christ. And in righteousness he judges and makes war. His eyes are like a flame of fire, and on his head many crowns. And his name is called the Word of God. And the armies in heaven, clothed in fine linen, white and clean, followed him on white horses. That's the bride coming with the bridegroom down to the earth for the wedding feast. And that's how the thousand-year reign of Christ will begin, with this joyful feast on the earth. And that is a, a wonderful climax to the story and then we will reign with him forever and we'll, part of that reigning will be to reign with him on earth during those thousand years of Christ. So she has to stay ready at all times because it could happen at any time. That's part of the excitement of the whole thing. She doesn't know and so she's got to stay ready all the time. It's imminent. That's how the Bible finishes with Jesus saying, I am coming quickly. In Revelation 22, 7, it says, Jesus says, this is how the Bible closes. Behold, I'm coming quickly. I'm coming suddenly. You don't know when. Blessed is he who keeps the words of the prophecy of this book. Then in verse 12, again, behold, I am coming quickly. Wake up, he says. My reward is with me to give each one according to his work. I'm, I'm going to reward you for your works with a glory that will be released in you when I return. And verse 16, I, Jesus, sent my angel to testify to you these things in the churches. I am the root and offspring of David and the bright and morning star. And the rapture is a manifestation of the glory of Christ as the morning star because the morning star still comes 
appears when the world is in darkness. Jesus will come in the rapture while the world is still in darkness. And it's before the sun rises. The sunrise, of course, is when he returns in power and glory and his glory fills the earth. But before that, he comes for his own in the rapture as the morning star. And then verse 20 he who testifies these things says, surely I am coming quickly. Three times he says, be ready, my bride, I'm coming quickly. And in the meantime, the bride is to get herself ready. And part of getting herself ready is evangelism, is, is sharing the gospel so that more and more can be part of that bride. And when the fullness of all the people who are meant to be saved in the church age is in, when the bride is complete, then the bridegroom will come for his bride. Verse 17, the spirit and the bride say come. You see, the Holy Spirit through the bride is reaching out to all the people of the world and say come, come to Jesus, come and accept Jesus. And, he's, and he says come and let him who thirsts come. Whoever desires, let him come take the water of life freely. We are to call out and invite people to come and drink and receive eternal life. Hallelujah. And so the bride is to get, make herself ready at this time. And then, of course, when the bride, he comes and she's taken up and will be taken up to heaven for a time period. In the meantime, the world enters the day of the Lord. This is a time of final cataclysmic judgments that take place on the earth. And, of course, the Lord will save. We are not destined for wrath, the Bible says, but to be saved from that judgment. Uh, and we will be with, with the Lord. And... Um, you know, what bridegroom would allow his bride, if he's about to, to send the bombs down on a city, to, that he wouldn't extract the bride first. So there'll be seven years. And then at the end of Revelation 19, we see, yes, the bride is there in heaven already. And it says she's already passed through the judgment seat of Christ. She's become his wife. She's already now clothed in, in that glorious wedding garment. And now it says that the bridegroom and the bride will return together for the marriage feast. They've spent that intimate time together to consummate their wedding. And now they return to earth for the wedding feast. That's all in Revelation 19. And blessed are those who will be invited to that feast. That's all the people who are now alive, who've got saved in those seven years. They will become the population during the millennium. Uh, the sheep, as it were, uh, as opposed to the goats. And they will be part of that wedding feast. And that's how the thousand years will begin. Praise God. And the bride will rule and reign with her bridegroom for that time. So they return to the earth for this wonderful wedding feast. One of the greatest pictures of this, and one of my favorites, is the Song of Solomon. Is All the romantic stories in the Bible actually are pictures of Christ and his church. The Song of Solomon I used to find very hard to understand until I saw the key to understanding it all. Because what happens here is that Solomon, who is the man, uh, actually is not dressed as a king, but he's on holiday. And Shulamith is the girl who actually lives in Shunem, a village in the Valley of Jezreel. And she is, uh, works in the vineyards. And Solomon now is on holiday to, at Megiddo and just across the valley. And he's not dressed as a king now. He's dressed as a shepherd. And so we see this shepherd lover in the story. But it's the same person as the king. 
Just like Christ, the first come, didn't come in his glory as king. He came as our shepherd lover because he didn't want our relationship with him to be based on his power that we would be forced to submit. He wanted to win our hearts with his love. So he came dressed as the good shepherd who gives his life for the sheep. And so he came and as he walked by, he saw this beautiful girl and they started courting and they fall in love. And it says he declared his love to her under the apple tree. And in the same way, Christ declared his love to us under the tree of Calvary. And they fall in love. And of course, she doesn't know who he is because she is loving him for, for himself. And there comes a point, though, where he has to tell her, actually, I'm not just a shepherd. I am, but I'm more. I am also King Solomon. What a shock that would have been. She would have giggled. Don't be silly. But then he looked at her again and she knew he was serious. They didn't have photographs in those times, so you wouldn't really know. She wouldn't have been able to recognize if he was Solomon or not. And so she has to believe him. And they beget betrothed and he makes his promise to her and he says, I will go away now and I will prepare a place for you and we'll I'll prepare the wedding feast and when everything's ready I am going to come back for you and take you to be my wife the queen and what an amazing thing he was asking her to believe that simple Shulamith and yet she believed him and he went away they were now betrothed they said their vows you can find this all in the song and now she tells her family, guess what? Her family thinks she's absolutely crazy. She says, guess what? That young man that I was dating, that's King Solomon. <laughs> he told me it's King Solomon. And they think, oh no, she's in fairy tale land. And they put her out to work in the vineyards extra hard. And the song actually starts at the wedding feast when uh, she having, having to explain to all the fine ladies in court with their smooth skins why her skin was very... Uh, tanned and, and probably a bit rough from being in the sun so much. So she was put out to work by her brothers because they thought she was uh, losing her, her grip on reality. <laughs> and so they, they thought, well, we'll put her out to work. And then, but she knew that one day her king would come for her. And in chapter 3, that day came. A wonderful romantic moment we see this tremendous procession coming down from Jerusalem and as it enters in the valley all the villagers are looking out who 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 is this this mighty procession uh, of all all warriors and fanfares and what could this be and as it gets closer they realize this is King Solomon and this is a wedding procession and all his mighty men are with him what is he doing here? And they're amazed as he turns and heads towards the little village of Shunem. And guess what? He goes right in and seizes the young Shulamith and takes her in his arms and carries her away in his chariot, in his panopin, and takes her back to Jerusalem for the wedding feast. And then they realize that she was telling the truth the whole time. And she, she then is at the wedding feast and the story goes from there. And at the wedding feast, she looks back 
and remembers the courting time, of course. They, all the girls there want to know how it all happened, and it describes their, their first night together and, and all the rest of it. But there is a wonderful picture of Christ and his church. He came dressed not as the King of Kings, but he came dressed in humility to win our hearts with his love. And when we believed in him, we trusted him, we received his love, we became betrothed to him. And he went away and he said, he asked us to believe a big thing. He said, I'm coming again for you. Get yourself ready because I'm coming. Anytime I could come, you need to be ready. Keep your heart devoted to me. Purify yourself from all other things. Be re get ready for that great day when I'm going to come and I'm going to take you to be with me forever. And I don't want you to be caught doing something inappropriate when I, when I return. And so that's what Jesus says to us. You don't know the day or the hour. He says, just when you think you know when I'm coming, I'll come at a time when you don't expect me. So we have to stay ready at all times. That's why I believe in the pre-tribulation rapture, which means Jesus will come before that final time of what's called the tribulation. A better word for it is the day of the Lord because it's actually the, a time of divine judgment on the earth when God is actually taking control back on the earth and judging the powers of evil. And he will rescue his wife before he judges because she's not destined for just judgment. And because the rapture must be imminent, he says, I'm coming quickly. It could be at any time. You don't know when. The only possible viewpoint that allows that is what's called the pre-tribulation rapture because if we know Jesus is coming or if we think Jesus is coming at the end of the tribulation, then we, we know he's not coming today because we know it's got to be at least seven years away and there's lots of things that have to happen between now and then. And even if you believe in the middle of the tribulation, he'll come. It's still true. The only way is if he comes before those final, that final sequence of divine judgments, which are clearly outlined in the Bible. Um, and then the people under those will know how close they are to the end. So we need to stay ready at all times. Jesus is coming soon, but he's coming quickly, imminent. Are you ready for Jesus to come? And are you sharing the gospel so that the bride as a whole can be ready for the glorious return of the Lord? Keep looking up because Jesus is coming for you. He loves you and he wants to consummate his relationship with you and fill you with his glory. We have a wonderful future ahead. Look up for your redemption draws near. Jesus said, if you continue in my word, then you're my disciples indeed and you'll know the truth and the truth will set you free. And our vision is to spread the in-depth teaching of the Word of God to the ends of the earth. But we need your help. And on our website, oxfordbiblechurch.co.uk, you, you can find the, uh, a way you can help us financially. And we would be so grateful. Thank you for watching. You can watch more of our teachings on our Oxford Bible Church Roku channel and Derek Walker YouTube channel. You're most welcome to join us at our church services which are every Sunday at 11am and 6pm at Cheney School, Headington, Oxford, OX3 7QH. You can order CDs, DVDs, books and other great products from our online shop at www.oxfordbiblechurch.co.uk 
or by calling 01865 515 086.